Good morning, Church. Uh, welcome to SIBKL at Sungai Buloh. Uh, as Pastor Fergus said, this is my first time preaching. I don't think I'm ever going to get used to that title, preacher. <laughs> so when he said it just now, I'm like, wow. <laughs> wow. Right. So, yes. So good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Andros Xavier Chan. Um, I am the head of Connect here in SIBKL at Sungai Buloh. I'm the guy that uh, my team and I are the ones that I, the, the entrance that actually scans, uh, checks your mice in Vratra. So basically, right, I'm like St. Peter at the pearly gates, deciding if you shall pass. So, uh, I've been in SIBKL for 11 years. And uh, if uh, Pastor Fergus told me 11 years ago when I, when I joined this church that I would be standing here on this pulpit preaching, I'd be like, bro, don't joke us. Not funny, man. <laughs> but yeah, um, Talking about jokes, right? Uh, I'm quite a prankster. Um, I don't know if Fergus remember two years back when he first preached in SMCC. Right? I got our cell arrow and quiver uh, to hold up a sign that says, Go, Fergus. And each letter, right, was printed on an H size. It was huge. You could see it from very far away, right? And we sat in the front row so he could see. <laughs> this is a little backstory. Um, Fergus called me on my birthday uh, to say that he has the perfect gift for me. And the gift was for me to stand here on 9-11 to give a sermon. When he first gave me the date, right, I was like, it's either he thinks my sermon is going to be a disaster on a global scale or a world-changing event, or maybe even both, lah. So thank you, Pastor Fergus, for giving me this opportunity to share with the church today. So, um, <laughs> okay, how many of you remember what you were doing on September 11, 2001? Just a show of hands, if you can remember. Okay, so I remember I was at home and I got a call from my parents, right, that um, a plane has crashed into the World Trade Towers in New York. Um, and they told me to check the, the news if it's real. So when I turned on the TV, I saw United Airlines Flight 175 crashing into the South Tower. I think I and millions of people on that day knew that it was not an accident. So on that day, right, um, I think 2,000 plus lives were lost and many more were lost as a result of this attack. So just take a moment just to remember them. Okay, continuing on the Kingdom of God series. Um, when I was preparing for my sermon, a few weeks back, I came across um, this quote you know, uh, by Pastor Jeremy Treat of Reality LA at a Resource Global meeting. Um, I liked how he, uh, Reality LA is actually a church in Hollywood and they're located across Netflix office. A lot of creative people actually attend that church. Um, so he gave an eight-word description of the kingdom of God. It's God's reign through His people over His place. So the title of my sermon today is Let It Go. Uh, but fortunately, I'm not going to be preaching about Elsa or Frozen. <laughs> um, yes, so the title of my sermon, Let It Go. This story... Um, so the story uh, that I'm going to preach is about Jesus and the rich young man. 
This story appears in all three of the synoptic gospels. A little Bible lesson. Uh, the synoptic gospel, uh, so Matthew, Mark, and Luke, is known as the synoptic gospel because um, it shares the same stories in similar sequence and sometimes in identical wordings. It stands in contrast with the gospel of John, which is very distinct. So the word synoptic comes from the word synoptikos, which means able to be seen together. So basically, this story is about this young man coming to Jesus with a very important question. How do I inherit eternal life? So before we start, let us pray. Heavenly Father, pray that you be in, uh, in my thoughts, in my speech, and in my heart. May I discern with your mind, speak with your voice, and minister with your heart. More importantly, Lord, I pray that your word today touches someone's heart, someone's life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so even though this story appears in all three synoptic gospels, I will be preaching mainly from Matthew's account of this story. So I will be preaching from Matthew chapter 19, verse 16 to 22. If you could open your Bible to that chapter. If not, you could just look to the screen. Okay, I guess. Okay. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. And behold, a man came to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said, Which one? And Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, All this I have kept. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possession. So, my sermon will be split into three parts. Who is he? Why he can't let go? And how do we let go? But before I start, I need to put a disclaimer out. Um, even though we'll be talking about letting go, so don't worry. I'm not asking you to let go of your money today. Uh, wait, uh. confirm? Okay, so since the disclaimer is out of the way, uh, I'm not asking for your money. So let's start, okay? Who is he? Right, the main question. That we're gonna, the first question we want to ask. In Matthew 19, verse 22, it's stated that he's a young man. Okay. Uh, and the Greek word used to describe his, his age is Nianikos. Uh, it indicates someone who is in their early 20s, uh, 240s. So we know he is young. That's the first thing we know about him. The second thing we know about him is he's extremely rich. Right? In Luke 18, 23, it says he's extremely rich. Right? 
how rich is he? So the Greek word used um, to, to describe his wealth was swadra. Uh, it means exceedingly great wealth. He's very, very rich. So first thing we know, he's young. Second, he's extremely rich. The third thing is in Luke chapter 18, verse 18 says he's a ruler. No, not a ruler to measure, but the Greek word used here is archon, which means uh, a ruler, a leader, a prince, or maybe a chief. So, sorry. Eh? So based on this Greek word, we know that he is a leader, an official, someone with administrative authority. Um, he's unlikely going to be a Roman official because the chances of a Roman official coming to Jesus with a religious question, let alone calling him teacher, is quite low. And this young man seems to know the Torah very well. Uh, shows that he may be Jewish and he's educated. So one of the things we could conclude is that he, is, he may be a Jewish leader, uh, maybe uh, someone in the local synagogues, or maybe a member of the Sanderin, the local court, the, the Jewish court that deals with religious issues during Jesus' time. But unfortunately, this is all we know about him. Right? We don't know his name, his tribe, his family, or where he came from. So the conclusion we can make is he is young, extremely rich Jewish leader. Putting this description into a modern church context, uh, maybe he, we could say that he is a millennial startup founder who's really rich. Um, millionaire, billionaire maybe, or maybe even a celebrity. If you have, if, if you seem to have someone in your, in your mind, right, just, just hold that thought for a moment. Part one is done. Part two. Right? Why can't he let go? After reading the scripture, it seems like this young man has trouble letting go of his wealth. So let's see why he can't let go. First, he is proud. In Matthew 9, 19, verse 20, he says, All these I have kept. By saying this statement, right, he's showing his pride. He's showing off to Jesus that he is a religious person. Or maybe he's really sincerely um, pursuing righteousness. Right? But nonetheless, he, he, he claims to be faultless and blameless in the eyes of the law, in terms of the law. In his so-called pursuit of righteousness, Jesus knew that he couldn't completely obey the law. And Jesus wanted to show him that he's not as righteous as he thought. He was proud. So that's the first thing of why he can't let go. And in the scripture, right, Jesus challenged him to do two things. Right? Sell what you possess and follow me. The reason for Jesus to do this is Jesus wanted to break down his self righteousness, um, his self-righteous pride. So the next reason why um, he finds it hard to let go 
is he was he, he felt entitled. But where where does this entitlement come from, right? You may ask. Um so I'm just gonna do a little demonstration. So Ellie, can I have thank you? Okay, so we're gonna play a little game. Uh <laughs> since uh Kawaii cheered, would you want to come up? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll have uh, Bill, you as well. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> let's have. <laughs> yes. Yeah, let's have Elliot. Okay, so each of you will get a bag, has gold inside. Gold. Okay. Okay. So this is what I want you guys to do. Okay. So just stand in front here. Just stand here. Okay. Uh so Bill, you are going to place paper, scissors, stone with Elliot. Okay. Whoever loses, pass two pieces over. Ken? Okay? Ah, so you pass two. <laughs> Two pieces to Elliot. Okay, Elliot, put it in your bag. Okay, now, Kawai, you would play Paper, Scissors, Stone with Bill. <laughs> Two pieces. <laughs> okay, so let's let's uh try another round. Um, so Kawai and Elliot, okay? This time we let's increase the stakes. Let's have four pieces. Yes. Oh, so you have to pass. How many do you have? Four pieces. <laughs> okay. 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 Tell you what. Uh, you guys just. Okay. Okay. Just have a seat. Just a show. Right? Um, okay, have a seat first. Just have a seat. Yeah. Let's just sit on the stage. Just sit on the stage. Yeah. So, in ancient Mediterranean culture, um, their perception and understanding of wealth was based on a zero-sum game theory. Um, and it's also quite similar to how we think of wealth and, and today as well. So, generally, people then and people now perceive wealth is for in order for you to gain wealth is for you to take from someone else. So if you saw from the demonstration, the rich young man <laughs> got his wealth from taking from another person. Right? So this was the first source of this rich young man's entitlement. But you see, church, the rich young man's perception of the economy is not wrong. But his perception of how God works seems to be wrong. In God's economy, he is the ultimate provider. God is not, you know, he won't take wealth from someone and give it to you. When God blesses, sorry, when God blesses, you know, uh, he says this, right? 
the Lord will open you His good treasury, the heavens to give the rain to your land in its season and bless all the work of your hands. This is how God blesses us. He will throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour down His blessings until you have not enough room to store it. Malachi 3 verse 10. So, I would like to call our volunteers back up. So when God blesses, right? <laughs> he falls out, right? <laughs> yeah, so thank you. You can have your seat. Yeah. So this is how God works. Yes, thank you. You can have your seat. <laughs> yep. So for the second source of his entitlement, uh, we need to do a little investigation. Uh, in verse 21, uh, Jesus asked the young man to sell everything. Um, is there a mosaic law that states that he has to sell everything to follow Jesus? Actually, there isn't. But why did Jesus ask him to do that, right? Sell what you possess and give to the poor. To answer that, we need to read the law itself. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. On the other end of the spectrum, it says in Deuteronomy 28 verse 15, but if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all the curses shall come upon you and overtake you. So the law in Deuteronomy clearly promises wealth to those who obey the law. Right? Um, and the Jews' perception of, of, of blessing and wealth was if you, you are rich because you're obedient, you're righteous, you are poor because you are wicked and you're disobedient. This rich young man was rich from a very early age. And this made him believe that he has obeyed the entirety of the law. But unfortunately, it gave him a, a, a false sense of self-righteousness in his heart. So when Jesus asked him to sell everything, uh, it's not just about the money. Um, Jesus wants to tell this young man that he could not look at his blessing as a sign that he could not look at his wealth as a sign of God's blessing. Again, you know, I feel this rich young man might be wrong. Um, if he really knew his scripture, he would know that the wicked price. In Psalms 49 verse 16, so don't be dismayed when the wicked grow rich and their homes become ever more splendid. And in Psalm 73, look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. 
if the wicked are the one that grows rich, maybe, you know, um, he, 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 his, his source of entitlement might be wrong. Maybe he's not as entitled as he thinks he is. The next point that we know about him is that why he can't let go, he was selfish. In Matthew 19.21, Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. The key word here is perfect. Jesus knew that he did not obey the law perfectly. That's why he said, if you would be perfect. The call to forsake everything and follow Jesus is a call to put God first. Um, It is the full obedience to the first commandment, which is, sorry, next slide. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. When Jesus called him to be a follower, he couldn't leave his riches behind. Um, To this rich young man, his wealth was more important than God. He valued the gift, the wealth, more than the giver merely by choosing wealth over the giver. So when Jesus asked him to sell all that he possessed and give to the poor, and he couldn't do it because he was selfish, to him, he was more important than the poor. By being selfish, right, he broke the second commandment, most important commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Interestingly, um, his action is very different from another two men in the Bible. Right? Um, do you remember the parable of the hidden treasure? Right? The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found, covered it up, then in his joy goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And the other person, the merchant, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. These two men were on the extreme opposite end of the rich young man. They sold everything they had just to gain one thing. So different, right? This rich young man felt that his wealth was greater than what Jesus could give. He felt that if he gave up his wealth, he was at a loss. In other words, he had the short end of the stick. But church, the treasure and pearl is Jesus. The man and the merchant is us. So the question is, are you willing to sell everything to gain Jesus? I think Spurgeon sums it up really, really well. He will have been saved by works, yet he will not carry out his works to the full of the law's demand. He failed to observe the spirit both of the second and the first table. He loved not his poor brother as himself. He loved not God in Christ Jesus with all his heart and soul. 
it's not about checking off religious acts. It's not about obeying the law in its entirety. Remember the parable of the sheep and goats. When Jesus um, tells his disciples, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. And the disciples asked, when were you hungry? <laughs> when were you thirsty? And Jesus replied, when you did to the least of my brothers, you did it to me. So when we love God first, when we love our neighbors first, we are loving God at the same time. That's why Jesus told him, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So just to recap, on why he can't let go. He was proud, he felt entitled, and he was selfish. Before I move on to the final part of my sermon, um, just a uh, little bit about, more about myself. Um, I used to be the co-founder of two wedding businesses, um, The Wedding Notebook, a wedding website and magazine, and WAF, Weddings, Arts, Fashion, uh, a wedding exhibition. The, both businesses were very successful. Uh, and I associated the success to my obedience. When COVID-19 pandemic hit, right, um, the wedding industry was one of the worst hit industries across the world. Uh, my business depended heavily um, on large crowd gatherings, tourism, where the bulk of my revenue comes from uh, my hotel and airline partners, right? Um, and due to the two-year prolonged COVID lockdowns, uh, my business partners and I could not sustain the business. Unfortunately, we had to close the business down. It wasn't a, some uh, easy decision for us to make, but we had to. Uh, in the process of winding down the business, um, I had to return a certain amount of money to the company. Uh, I was reluctant at first. Why? Like the rich young man, uh, I felt that uh, it was God's blessing for me. Why do I think so, right? Uh, just for some of you to know, uh, I was one of the first people to answer Pastor Fergus's call to join this church. Um, and immediately after answering that call, my business grew tremendously. Um, I, it made me like, relate that, it made me see or assume that my success, my wealth, was because of my obedience. And that's why God blessed me. Like the rich young man, I was proud. I felt entitled. My reluctance to let go of this money uh, gave me no peace. And one day, I heard a voice telling me, let go, give it back. After returning the money, I found peace. And at that moment, I was reminded about how my business partners would feel if I was in Jashu's way. What if it was them who didn't want to return the money? I was reminded that I did not love my neighbors as myself. 
I was selfish. On December the 31st, 2021, we officially closed the business. Uh, after returning the money, I only had enough, barely enough to survive a month. To make it even more challenging, I had no job, no income. Um, I felt, but, you know, I, I knew I was doing the right thing. Today, I have a job. Uh, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I have a job. I'm grateful that my relationship with my ex-business partners are still good. Um, no, God did not bring me back to pre-COVID times. He did not multiply my wealth a hundredfolds, but he is enough. So at the beginning of my sermon, I asked you, who is the rich young man, right? I was the rich young man. I was proud. I felt entitled. I was selfish. And not many of you know my Chinese name. Uh, but if you know, and if you can read Chinese, uh, my Chinese name actually reveals my identity. So my Chinese name is Chen Zhao Wen. The people with the surname Chen are believed to be uh, descendants of an emperor. So some of my ancestors are, were emperors. Some were generals during the Three Kingdoms period. Some even were revolutionists that overthrew the Qin dynasty. My middle name, Zhao, literally translates to trillion. So I am rich. My name states it, right? <laughs> and Wen means education or intellectual. I'm a scholar. My, my, my dad gave me this name. Um, because uh, he had great expectations of me. He wanted me to be rich, to be smart, to be successful. But unfortunately, my Heavenly Father wants me to give everything and follow Him. Church, do you see yourself as a rich young man? Do you feel proud at times? Do you feel entitled? Have you been selfish? Or do you find it hard to let go? How many of you have lofty dreams? Maybe someone wants to be a CEO by his 30. Maybe someone wants to have to own a multi-million ringgit company. Or maybe someone wants to lead a church with 10,000 members. Whatever it is, Whatever it is, we all have big dreams. We all have lofty dreams. But our Heavenly Father has even bigger dreams for us if we are willing to let Him. So who do you value more? Who do we value more? Jesus or our wealth? Let's go to the last part of my sermon. How do we let go? But before I go there, um, after reading the story of the rich young man, we tend to make two mistakes. The first mistake 
is the call to sell everything and give to the poor applies to everyone. You see, Jesus did not make a general command to all of us to let go of our wealth and give to the poor. Because some rich can do more wealth, uh, can do more good with their wealth than without it. One example, uh, Joseph of Arimathea. In Matthew 27, verse 57, it says that as evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, who had become a follower of Jesus, went to Pilate, asked Pilate for Jesus' body, and buried Jesus' body in his own new tomb. So it was his wealth that enabled Jesus to have a tomb to be buried in. So another example, the book of Acts. Luke records um, the early church members giving collectively to the church. And the, the funds were used for daily distribution of food to the needy. So clearly, some rich can do more good with their wealth than without it. The second mistake that we will make is the call to sell everything and give to the poor doesn't apply to any one of us. Why would Jesus ask us to sell everything? Why would God want our wealth? Knowing that it comes from Him. The thing is, for some of us, letting go of the wealth and materialism that is ruining us today may do some good to us. Uh, a few weeks back, um, our brother Zerlo shared about the parable of the sower. If you remember, he mentioned about some seeds falling on among the thorns. The thorns are the distraction, wealth, and materialism that is choking us today, that is making us unfruitful. So do not make that two mistakes. So, is there something that you want to let go? Even though this story of the rich young man talks about wealth and money, but the underlying message that Jesus was trying to give was not just about wealth and money. It was about the matters of the heart. So the real question we should be asking is not how much do we let go, but are we willing to let go? So this brings me to the first point of letting go. We need to let go of our old love and return to our first love. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him. So before Jesus actually told this young man what he was lacking, Jesus loved him first. Jesus loved us first. And in the book of Revelations, when Jesus confronts the church of Ephesus, he says to them, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Key word here, left. There is a difference between losing and leaving. You can lose something accidentally, but leaving takes a deliberate act. It has intentionality. By choosing not to let go of our old love, we have deliberately chose not to return to our first love. 
But then you ask, how do we return to our first love? We need a heart that knows God. Jeremiah 24 verse 7. I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. For they shall return to me with their whole heart. Church, are you willing to let go of your old love and return to your first love? Brings me to the next point. We need to let go of our old heart and return and, and get a new heart. Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26. And I will give you a new heart, a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. This is the spiritual transformation that God promises in the new covenant. Instead of the law working from outside in, He is giving us a new heart that works inside out. So church, are you willing to let go of your old heart of stone to, and to receive a new heart of flesh? A new heart that will allow us to enter into a new covenant with Jesus. And brings me to my final point. We need to let go of our idols and follow Jesus. We need to deliberately choose to follow Jesus. Because no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. When Jesus told the rich man, come, follow me. He was inviting this young man to be his follower. This word, follow me, was the same invitation Jesus gave to his 12 disciples. But to this rich young man, it meant leaving everything behind. Being Jesus' disciple is a lifelong journey. So, church, are you willing to let go of your idols and follow Jesus? As disciples of Jesus, um, we walk a path that has been laid out for us. And as Ellie shared two weeks back, this path is difficult. This path is not easy. And at times, the world will hate us. How difficult it is, you may ask. For Jesus' disciples, they let go of everything. Peter said in verse 27, See, we have left everything and followed you. What did Peter mean by everything? Um, if you remember, when Jesus first called his first disciples, uh, he was at the Sea of Galilee. And they were fishermen and they were fishing. When Jesus called them, follow me, they left their nets. They left their boats. They left their fathers. They gave up everything. Their trade, their livelihood, just to follow Jesus. 
church, do you think Jesus is worth giving up everything for? Uh, can I have the worship team up on stage? Here is what Apostle Paul has to say about letting go. He said, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For this his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. Paul definitely thinks Jesus was worth more than everything in this world. Let me leave you with a quote. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Jim Elliot said that. Let me just close with this. Take up the cross and follow Jesus. He will give you a new heart of flesh. And this new heart of flesh will tie in a new covenant with Jesus. And so that we will return to our first love. Church, um, I want to give a call to two groups of people today. Um, the first group, uh, most, I think it's for those who are online who's watching this sermon, maybe today, live, or maybe in a few weeks' time. If this is your first time hearing the story of this man called Jesus and you are intrigued by his story, I would encourage you to come back, come visit us in the following weeks to know more about this man called Jesus. And if you are ready, then um, come up to me. Or maybe Pastor Fergus, Pastor Ramesh, or any of our leaders, and we will walk you through it. The second group of people that I want to call, uh, to give this call to, is for those of you who have trouble letting go. As I said earlier, being a follower of Jesus is a lifelong journey. So today, I'm not asking you to give everything up for Him. To give up everything is a huge ask. But we can start with just one thing. That one thing. Maybe it's your pride that you need to let go. Maybe it's your entitlement. Maybe even your selfishness. Maybe it's something that is distracting you from God. Or maybe it may be a sin that you've been struggling with. Whatever it is, surrender it to God today. Let's make you know, all, all, all eyes closed, all heads bowed. No one looking around. Let's make 
the space that you're standing on holy ground. That is your altar to God and surrender it to God. Let us say a short prayer. Lord, today I choose to give up that one thing that will bring me closer to you. Lord, you are worth more than gold. You are worth more than anything else in this world. And I choose today to give up that one thing so that I can receive a new heart of flesh from you and to return to you my first love. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, I would like to invite Pastor Fergus up to close us. Amen. Church, even while we're standing, we're going to close in a moment. I just really want to say, Andros, thank you so much for delivering the word. Thank you so much. And this is a word that God has given to every single one of us. It's not just a day for us to hear a sermon, but it's a day for us to hear an engaging God, a God engaging with us in the areas of our struggle, in the areas of our pain, in the areas perhaps even of our past. Maybe there, there are things from our past that we also struggle to let go of. I want to encourage you across this week to engage back with God. I really believe this, that the Lord is not here just to throw sermons out to tickle our ears on Sunday mornings so that we've got, we, we, we've got something to fill our time and then it's as an excuse to gather us so that we can have lunch after that together. It's, it's more than that. It would be so sad if that was all church is. What I genuinely believe, and, I, and I, re I really have known this to be true in my walk, He gathers us, He engages us, He plants a seed in our hearts, and He says, chill on this, engage with this, wrestle with this, and for the rest of this week, engage with this. I want to encourage you into a journey. As Andrew said, this, this thing, letting go journey is a long process. It's a lifelong process. Start the process today. Father, we thank you. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn His face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His countenance toward you and give you peace. And all of God's people say, Amen.